0: Well, good morning, church. It's a happy 4th of July weekend to all of you. And uh, I want to take a moment and just thank God for the freedom we have in these United States of America. We are very blessed. We really are. Our nation, obviously, like every other nation, is not perfect. We understand that. We have flaws in our nation. But we are very blessed. And we need to be thankful for that. And uh, we can praise God for the people who have defended our nation in the past, for the people who continue to defend our nation now. We thank God for those who serve in public services, whether it's the police force, ambulances, whether it's in the hospitals, on the, on the front lines, wherever it may be in public service, to help us live in a way that Northern Nation can live. Again, we are very blessed. And, uh, and it's not just those who are serving in our nation, but you know what it's fun to see is the, the freedom that we have as God's people to live in a way that honors God. We have freedoms to pray and to serve and to show our love for God where other nations aren't. Every week I get an email from our conference and there's a prayer email and it lists nations and countries where Christians today are being persecuted, put in jail, put to death. And when I read those and to pray for those who are my brothers and sisters in Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ, in another country, their church gets burned down and they get put to death because they're Christians. Are you thankful you live here now? I know we're not perfect, but I'm thankful for the freedoms we have. And I'm thankful for uh, many people in our church who faithfully serve and give. And it's like, but I'm not on the armed forces. I'm not in public services. No, you are you. People of this church, When you just faithfully give or serve in a small way and show your faith in Christ, you're showing your freedom that God has given you to live in a way that honors him. And I want to say thank you to that. I want to highlight one person. You know, I could do this every week. Every week I'd get up here and say, hey, I want to talk about so-and-so in our church. I did this. What a cool thing. But I, I want to share something that happened a few weeks back on June 17. This is Mark and Brooke Schutte's daughter, Maddie um she did what she did last year she set up a lemonade stand now the reason i'm sharing the story is because we have the freedom in america to do this and what she did was pretty cool she set up a lemonade stand like most kids hey great extra money to go buy some toys maybe get a summer dress if you're a girl um and do whatever you may want to do but that's not why she did this she did this not for herself but for other kids She did it last year. She made some money. She went out and used that money to help other children. And she wanted to do the same again this year. Those with cancer, those with disease. But this year was beyond that. It was, I want to help those. There's a family that had a fire. They lost a lot of stuff. So she went out and she bought not just toys, but clothes and necessities for that family. Again, why do I share that? Because on that one day of her lemonade stand, she raised $1,300 for other kids. And I just thought, that's cool. Way to go, Maddie. Way to go, Mark and, and Brooke, for raising a child, on uh, their children that way. And like I said, I want to share with you what a childlike faith can do. That's a childlike faith. And there's so many others in this room right now, watching online, that were in the first service, maybe on vacation or at the lake today, wherever they may be. There's so many others in this church and other churches that are doing similar things. And it's exciting to me to see you live out your freedom in Christ, to honor him and to help others. So I just want to encourage you. I just wanted to share that story. I'm thankful that for this nation we live in, it's not perfect, but we have freedom. And I'm thankful for that. So I want to pray and thank God for that right now. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we have in this nation. God, I know that we struggle as a nation at times with various things, whether it's laws or lawlessness whether it's restrictions or whether it's actions of some people that confuse us. But God, we do have freedom in this nation, a freedom to worship you. God, we can be here today in this building. We can watch online. We can listen to a podcast later. We can worship you freely. We can do things with our faith, because of our faith in you, to help others, to give. Thank you, Lord, for this freedom. God, thank you especially for the freedom that we have from sin, that we can live eternally and victoriously right now. God, I thank you again for these freedoms. In my name we pray. Amen. Hey, grab your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. While you're turning there, I remind you last Sunday we talked about the promise of God that He does not abandon His children. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are right with God. If you are right with God, you will never be left behind. God, you'll never be abandoned. And this promise that God makes to us, it's not about escaping problems, escaping difficulties. We still have that. It's that God is with us in those difficulties, in those tough times. And so while we are going through life, as we've been talking about, we said through prayer, obeying God's word, we must do this. Last week I said we must keep trusting. Keep trusting God. We're not abandoned. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. Keep trusting God. Keep trusting Him. I remember hearing a story about a father who and his son, they went out in the yard to pick up rocks, and and it was a newly uh, planted, uh, seeded yard, and and there was some, some really rocky places. And his dad's like, listen, we need to keep getting these rocks out of here. Why don't you work on picking up the stones and the rocks? I'll come over here and work on it. And, and he's working away. And he looks over at his son. And his son is struggling because he found this really big stone. He couldn't even move it out of the dirt. And he's trying so hard and trying so hard. And the father looked over at him. And, and he said, um, you doing okay? And he goes, I can't do it, Dad. And Dad said, son, are you using all your strength? And the son almost looked a little bit hurt, like Dad would ask him that question. Yes, Dad, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I've used every ounce of strength that I have. And the dad looked at him and said, no, you're not. What do you mean, Dad? Dad went over and worked with them. and said, you haven't asked me to help you yet. And together they pulled out that big stone and got rid of it. When I think about that story, I just sort of think like this. It's like a lot of times we think when we're struggling, we're doing everything we can i put every effort into it. I've, I've, I've got money. I've got a job. I've got all the strength, but yet I'm still struggling. And we think if we, with our clever minds, maybe we can solve the problems and just work a little bit harder. And God must be up above our Heavenly Father saying, but you've not asked me for my strength yet. Ask me for my strength. And many of us know that in those moments, we've got to trust in God. Ah, but yet some of us are like, but I've asked God over and over and not seen anything yet. Well, I hope and pray today's message will help you with that. In your Bible, Acts chapter 12, we'll start in verse 1. We're going to discover a story of answered prayer, freedom, and trust in this story. Let's begin verse 1. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, that's John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the the church prayed very earnestly for him. Stop here for a second. Let's note some key things here. First of all, James was not the first Christian to die. As we're reading this, we see that James was put to death. Peter, James, John, remember the mighty three that walked with Jesus? That's the James we're talking about, the brother to John. He was put to death by a sword, which means a beheading, most likely. But he wasn't the first Christian to put to death. Stephen, Acts 7, talks about Stephen was the first one to be martyred for his faith. Many followed. Then we have James. This shook up the church a little bit because, not just because another Christian got put to death, but because, wait a minute, This is one of the 12, one of the elite, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, which means even the most powerful Christians are not exempt from pain or death. And Jesus never promised special protection for even his closest followers, let alone all of us. He told us that in Matthew 10, that there would be persecution. King Herod Agrippa, also a notoriously evil ruler, looked at this moment and thought, you know what? I put James to death, and it pleased a lot of people. Hmm. I'm getting a little pat on the back from the people. My ego is getting a little bit bigger. So what I might do out of all this, maybe I'll just kill a couple more Christians. They'll make me even more popular. Oh, and it made the Jewish people and some of the Jewish leaders very happy. So this is what it also did. It gained him political position. So here's somebody in power gaining more political position because it's making people happy. And he's feeling good about himself. So it's like, I'm going to put Peter to death. But it is a Passover, so I'll wait a few days before I do all this. I'm trying to imagine what this looked like. This picture isn't really a good picture because he's changed the wall. What we know in the story is Peter was chained on the left to one guard, chained on the right to another guard, with two more guards standing outside the door, and then three more squads of four rounds. Sixteen soldiers. I mean, was he really that dangerous? I mean, Peter, once fisherman, follower of Jesus, is he really that physically dangerous? No, but yes. Yes, spiritually, because he taught truth. He preached about Jesus Christ, so he was pretty dangerous. And, obviously, Herod didn't like that. The religious leaders didn't like that. He was an enemy to them, even though he preached truth. So meanwhile, the church is praying for Peter. We'll come back to it in a minute. But here's Peter sitting in prison, having done nothing wrong. No crime committed whatsoever. Chained to soldiers. And like James, he's going to be put to death. He'll probably have his head chopped off as well. I mean, that's a tough place to be right now, right? I mean, like you, if you are Peter, and you're sitting here thinking, what did I do? I preach truth. Because I love people, I will tell people about Jesus Christ. And what do I get for it? I'm in, I'm in chains right now. I'm in prison, and I'm going to be put to death. I'm going to give this guilty verdict tomorrow morning. And in a few hours, I will no longer be on this planet. Look at verse 6. What does Peter do in this moment? The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. What? <laughs> Fastened with two chains between two soldiers, others stood guard at the prison gate. Here's Peter, what? Snoozing away. His life is about to come to an end. He's in a dark place, and he's sleeping. Last time I heard that was when Jesus was on the boat in a big storm. And where's Jesus? Oh, he's sleeping. He was calm. How could he be calm? Because Peter probably cast all his worries, all his cares to God. Matter of fact, we'll learn later, he gets out of prison. And then he writes a letter. And in his letter, 1 Peter, the first book, Peter, chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Cast all your cares, take all your worries, and throw them to God, because he cares for you. Maybe he was just applying it at the moment, wrote about it later. I don't know. But he's sleeping. Look at verse 7. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. Verse 9. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. Verse 10. They passed the first and second guard posts, came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left them. You know, as I'm reading this story, I can't help imagine what it looked like. Now, here's the thing. We don't know what it looked like. So we find renditions, drawings, paintings of it, right? It wasn't like Peter was sitting there saying, hold on, angel, let's get a selfie. Yeah, post that, okay? No, that didn't happen. This is what we got, the best we can right here. And I sort of sit there and I look at this moment thinking, this moment was probably amazing and a little humorous. Okay, it's like humorous? Are we allowed to laugh at the Bible? Sometimes you just have to. And when you think about what happened in this story, you have to chuckle just a little bit, okay? But also just be amazed by the story. You think about this. I'm a light sleeper. You turn on the bright lights. You make a noise. I'm awake. Peter's sleeping. Bright light. Lights up the cell. And then this this angel you know, comes along and sort of pokes him, shakes him, basically just strikes him. The Greek word is to, is to smite. To smite in the Greek means one of two definitions. The first one is to hit so hard it's a fatal blow, okay? And the other one is to, uh, to hit and awaken or shaken. So you got those two and it's like, okay, I'm going with the second definition on this one, okay? I'm striking, it's, I'm not like gentle touch and I'm not doing a knockout punch. It's somewhere in between is what this word is saying. Strong enough to wake, gentle enough to not harm. And then you get that voice. Hey, get up. So you get a smack, get up, bright light, okay? And Peter's like, huh, what? And then you have to have this step-by-step. Step. You need to stand up. You need to put on your robe. Take your dress, sandals on. Very good, all right. Now I want you to walk this way. Follow me. We're going to walk through the gate, okay? Just like, Listen, if this is a prison break, you don't have to tell a prisoner what to do. If all of a sudden you get a bright light, chains fall off, and the guards are sleeping, and the door is open, you're running, Right? Not that any of you would know, okay? I'm assuming you know, we don't have that issue going on here. But anyway, before we continue, I want you to think about this, what's going on in this whole story. Think about what we learned from this situation. How many times have we been in dire situations? How many times have we been in a dark place, challenging moments, and we feel like we've been chained down? Some of us have been in, in chained um, and, and held up by certain sins and habits in our life. There's certain things that we just can't break and we struggle with. Some of us are struggling with other issues, whether it be mentally of some sort, whether it's de- depression, sleeplessness, whatever it may be. Some of us are physically facing some kind of ailment that just keeps coming back and coming back. And we feel like we're in a dark place. And we're, and, and it's like, can I just be free, right? You've been, have you been there? And in those moments you might say, Is this, are these my final hours? Is this... When will this end? Am I, am I done? So let me ask you, in those moments, how hard or how easy is it to trust God? It's challenging, isn't it? It's hard to trust God. When you're like, I'm I feel like I'm not gonna get out of this situation. And so what God has to do sometimes is He has to poke you and prod you. Maybe a little, maybe a little smite, okay? And then He almost has to tell you instructions. I need you to stand up. I don't know if I can say, you can stand up. What do I do next? Shoes? Okay. What's next? How about a robe? Good idea. Now what? The door's open. Should I go through it? Yes. It was like, sometimes when you're in that place, it's hard to know what that next step is. Listen, church, that's okay. That's okay. That's why God gives us a spirit to prod us at times. And sometimes it takes a miraculous moment for him to say, this is exactly what you have to do. And other times we just sort of stand there waiting for that next instruction. Now remember this. Peter was arrested days before this. God could have freed him at any time. He could have done a prison break at any moment. Day one he could have. Day two he could have. He could have done any time. God waited until the final night right before execution. Then he's like, all right, now I'll bust you out of this. Now I will free you. Sometimes some of us go through something that seems like it's taken forever. Some of us were free from it right away. Also, remember in the story that it sort of balanced out with another disciple, James. James was put to death. Peter gets freed. But weren't they both believers in Jesus Christ? Yes. But so, does that mean that sometimes? People will face, yeah, they'll face death and difficulty. And other times you'll face life and freedom. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we trust God in both situations. He has a plan beyond our understanding. He is a sovereign God. Just because we believe in Jesus Christ doesn't mean we're exempt from pain and death. It happens. We know that all too well. And we find that contrasted here in the story. Go back to verse 11. Peter's out of prison, suddenly realizes, hey, this isn't a dream. He knows this. If I stick around here, I'm probably going to get arrested again and I will be executed. But before I leave town, I'm going to go back to that house where I know there's people praying for me. And I'm going to go tell them, thank you. Thank you so much for your prayers. Because of you praying, I'm free. I'm free. Remember verse five, while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Soldiers, chains, guard posts, iron gates, all nothing when God was with uh, Peter and prayer was behind him. Huge thing to remember. Verse 11. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true. He said, the Lord has sent his angels, save me from Herod, and from what was the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. I'm, I'm free, right? Look at verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door of the gate, and the servant girl, Rhoda, came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, eh, she kept it closed, and she ran back inside, told her, Peter's at the door. Think about what just happened. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Never underestimate it. Never underestimate the power of a praying church. Listen, I know many of you on the church email list. And so you're like, oh, I got another email from the church to pray. Oh, I got, a, I got two today, right? Some of you is like, man, another prayer email, right? Can I just say something? Your prayer matters. Your prayer matters. When that prayer email comes in to you, you're getting a heavenly request, an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. Pause wherever you're at and pray. I, I get it. Sometimes I'm in the middle of something and I get that prayer email too. It's like, another prayer request. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm the pastor. (laughs) Maybe I should be praying on this one. A lot of them I already knew about, but when it's a new one that I didn't know about, it's like, pause and pray, pause and pray. Could it be that your role, maybe my role, our role in the church is to assist, freeing those who are in pain, freeing those who are sick, Freeing those who are discouraged through prayer. That could be our role, church. Never underestimate the power of prayer. An anonymous quote I found here is this the church was free to pray. When every other gate is shut and locked, the gate to heaven is wide open. We take advantage of that open gate through prayer. Listen, can God do things without our prayers? Yeah, he's God. Does does he, does he really need me to pray to him? Probably not. I think God can do whatever he wants to do without my prayers. But I do know this. God invites me in to be a part of this. He commands me to pray. He invites me to pray. He is almighty, all powerful, all controlling. He can do as he pleases. But he invites me and you in to pray. To be a part of his work on this planet. We discover a few simple things about prayer here. First of all, they prayed to God. When you read about it here, these people that had gathered, the church that had gathered in the home of Mary, here's the first thing they prayed to God. Understand who we're praying to. This is huge. God is the audience of our prayer, not each other. There's a lot of people who don't like to pray. You know why? I don't want to pray in front of other people. Why? Because we feel like we're praying to other people. They're gonna judge me for how I pray. Did I use any big words? And so you're thinking as many big words as you can to sound really good, right? And then like, you sound like really holy. So you think of our heavenliest father. You know what like, we start praying in King James Version, I don't know, okay? But we wanna impress people and it's like, we're not praying to impress others. We're praying to God. And it should be, when somebody says, and this probably happened yesterday, maybe some of you gathered for a potluck or a cookout, and you bunch around and maybe some say, hey, we're gonna pray and bless the food hey, who wants to pray? Anybody here? Cricket, cricket, right? He's like, nobody wants to pray? All right, I'll pray. It should be, does anybody want to, and before anybody says pray, there should be like, I'll pray, i me pray. You know why? Because we get the opportunity to thank a heavenly creator, almighty God, for what we have in front of us. Who doesn't want to say thank you, right? You're not praying for everybody else. Just you and God. God, thank you so much for this food. I can't wait for the dessert, thank you for whoever made this. Just, just pray it out. Pray it out. Now, Kevin would understand this, and a few others. Uh, Julian, you'd understand this too, okay? Julian, do you remember? Because we coached together, and I know Kevin, we coached you. But Julian, we had the eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, ten-year-olds in FCA baseball. Julian a lot of times did this on our team like okay who wants to pray because we always prayed before practice after practice before games after games we'd circle up at home plate after a game invite the other team and have them pray and our kids always prayed us coaches we never prayed and you're like hey who wants to pray before you could finish saying who wants to pray maybe five six hands shooting up I want to pray, pray sometimes it's almost like we're going to be having a fight over who's going to pray right I love it childlike faith I want to pray I want to pray and then you come to church and you're like, "Hey, who'd like to lead us in prayer?" Okay, I guess I will. Let's pray, right? So that's sort of the way it rolls. Okay. Now, what happens? I don't know. From that childlike faith to adulthood, here's what I'm going to say: Church, let's have that childlike faith. When somebody says, "Who wants to pray, man?" Like, I, I want to pray. I want to pray. Pray because you're not praying about it, you're praying to God. Okay. Let me me hop on the next couple. There's a really quick. They prayed together. They came together to church. They gathered in one place and prayed. Listen, we can't gather right now a lot of times. Like maybe we don't have a prayer night or anything like that. But when you get that prayer email, again, you've got probably a hundred other people that are praying with you at that moment. Pray together. Pray together. They prayed earnestly. Other people have gone to bed. What's going on here? These people are still up. Everybody's sleeping. The church is still up and praying for Peter. They gather together, everybody's snoring away, they are praying away. The word earnestly basically pictures somebody who's stretching out as far as they can for something they can't reach. Matter of fact, the Greek word here is ectenos, and there's, you just change one letter in that word to ectenes, and it comes from a medical term that describes a muscle being stretched to its limits. That word earnestly is basically saying, I am, when I'm praying earnestly, I'm doing everything I can and praying for this moment. That's an attitude of prayer going on. And then they prayed specifically, verse 5, it says the church prayed very earnestly for him, for Peter. Sometimes when we pray, and I'm very guilty of this, God, I pray for all the missionaries out there. There's a lot of them. You know who they are, right? Okay, so what I need to do is, what my mom does, she's got like this flip chart of missionaries from her church and that kind of stuff. And she's like, today I'm praying for Hank Skeltema, okay? You know, and I, I remember Hank Skeltema. He's passed away, but I always remember Hank. He was the, the pilot that flew around as a missionary in other countries. It was amazing. But pray for that person specifically, okay? What a great prayer model. Group of believers who gathered together to pray to God very earnestly and specifically. Now go back to verse 15. Rhoda goes running back in the other room. Peter's at the door. Look what happens. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be an angel. Now just think of what's going on here. Hey, it's Peter. It's Peter? <laughs> no way. She runs back in. Guys, it's Peter. No, it's not Peter. You no, know, it really is Peter. Meanwhile, Peter's like, guys, I'm in. I don't think it. You know what? Let's make a decision here. How many of you think it's Peter? No. How many of you think it's an angel? Okay. Angel has it. It's an angel, Rhoda. Okay. I don't know what you're thinking, Rhoda. Right? Look at verse 16. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door three days later, Probably not, It's probably like three minutes, 30 seconds, I don't know. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed, verse 17. He motioned for them to quiet down because in their amazement, they were probably shouting and screaming and excited, right? He told them how the Lord had led them out of prison. Tell James, that would be the brother of Jesus, and the other brothers what happened, he said. Then he went to another place. I mean, they're praying, he's knocking at the door. I want you to think about this moment. Weren't they praying for an answer? Heavenly Father, free Peter from prison. Would you release him from prison? Stop. Go get that. We know that he's in dire straits right now. And, and the person at the door is going to be in dire straits too if they don't stop knocking. Isn't that how we pray sometimes? It's like, I wish God would answer. And God's answering and we're like, why doesn't God answer? And then when God does answer, what happens? I can't believe he answered. Aren't we people of faith? I mean, you think about this whole story. That's why I say it's amazing and yet a little bit humorous on how it all unfolds. Prayer is, is this. Prayer is talking to God, right? Prayer is a time of deepening our relationship with God. Prayer is powerful and effective. Therefore, the church, as a church, we must keep praying. Even if our faith is small? Well, my faith probably would have been just like those people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of making light of the situation. That probably would have been me. It's like my phone's going off and I'm praying. What do you do? Should I answer the phone or keep praying? Talk to God, talk to the person, talk to God. It's like, everybody's like, I think we probably should keep talking to God and not answer the door. But the answer prayer was at the door. Now, I'm not saying stop talking to God when your phone rings because it might be answered prayer. I'm just saying... God can answer prayer just like that, just like that, even if our faith is small. David Guzik said this, their prayer was earnest, but their faith was not overwhelming. Little faith can accomplish great things if it's placed in a great God. You see, even in our unbelief, God answers prayers, just as in our belief, God answers prayers, because he's God. God. But we shouldn't be surprised when he does answer. And we have to trust God. What am I saying in all this? Keep trusting God. Keep trusting God. And pray. Even if your faith is weak right now. Pray. God answers prayers. And God will answer prayers in his time. It may not be when you want it, but he will answer prayers. And his prayer might not be, his answer to prayer might not be the answer that you want. But I know this, God is still answering prayers today. Amen? Let me share a quick story with you. I started the service with somebody from our church. I'm going to end a story with somebody from our church. Many of you uh, maybe know Phil and Carol Forbes. They, they usually attend an earlier service. Maybe you don't know them. Phil's got a brother that lives in Sanford, uh, Michigan. Remember this past spring when, when two dams broke and flooded out, basically Sanford and Midland, Michigan area? Caused a lot of damage well, Phil's got a brother up in Sanford. And he got, he's a retired uh, history teacher and principal at Calvary Baptist uh, School. And his home got flooded, four feet of water in his house. Now, he, as a retired uh, educator, he decided to make an investment, purchase a house next to him and rent that out. That had three feet of water in it. So both houses that he owned were basically a wreck. When the water finally resided, um, people from the church that he attends in Calvary Baptist Midland, Samaritan's Purse, and other volunteers came in to start cleaning up. They hauled out all kinds of plaster, insulation, wet wiring switches. A lot of you didn't even know that just north of here this was all going on a few months ago, or, and, and maybe you did, but... All this mess was going on. No electricity. They brought in generators to get sump pumps to try to keep getting water out. The church coordinated all kinds of great things there to help and relief. Washing dishes, hauling mud, making food. A pizza chain pulled up with a semi-truck and actually unloaded equipment and made pizzas right there in the neighborhood for all the volunteers and the workers and the the people that live there. Um, Phil kept um, emailing me. We were going back and forth and and I asked him, I said, can you share this? He goes, I'm just going to send you stuff to read. So I'm going to read some of this to you. The walls are open so drying can start and floors stripped. Two inches of mud and muck dumped into the yard. A guy stopped by the front end loader, hauled the collapsed garage, and somebody's shed that floated in from a few blocks away into our front yard, hauled that all away. And then he ended his email with this. Thank you so much for your prayers. Five days after the flood, Phil and Carol, they watched church online and then they drove up to, Mid, uh, to San, uh, San, Sanford and Midland area to help keep the generators running at his brother's house. And before refueling and getting back to work, they went for a walk and they just saw mud everywhere. Um, housing development's completely gone. Concrete slabs where things used to be sitting. It was It was a complete mess. And then... Phil closed the email with this. Thank you so much for your prayers. Phil then shared this. Rex, two weeks ago, you read from Philippians 4, verse 6. It jumped on me like a ton of bricks. And at the time, I don't know why. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. I prayed about COVID-19 and his will and this, and the load is gone by the grace of God. I know he will take care of us no matter what. Without a doubt, he was preparing me to go to Sanford. What I witnessed in Sanford, Michigan, will impact my life forever. One blessing after another. From, from one thing, no one was hurt or killed. I heard that from a pastor that six of his neighbors received Jesus Christ in their heart. Volunteer labor, Samaritan's Purse, electrical inspector, power company was good to us. I think we were the first ones in our neighborhood to get power six days earlier than we were told. People from all denominations from all over gave us food and more food. Fifty sheets of drywall just showed up. Totes of electrical supplies. Volunteer plumbers for two days bringing a water heater with them. Donations from all over and on and on. Every day brought tears of joy and thanks. God is great and will supply everything we need. A blessing around every corner. To be part of this is so wonderful to see God working. And then he closes the email with this. Thank you so much for your what? prayers. Phil's brother emailed then and said this, work continues in our community after the flooding. Samaritan's Purse um, coordinated clean out for 270 families. 50 homes remain on their list for cleanup and mold remediation. As of a few weeks ago, 48 people have prayed to ask Jesus Christ into their life. We pray for growth and that God would give us as our church family opportunity to follow up and be part of the process. We are continuing to see God at work in our church body and the community. Please pray for our church as God brings us to mind. The needs are big, but God is greater. He has shown himself faithful to provide through his people. The church was able to distribute a substantial amount of money for food relief to affected families through the generous donations of others. It's been like a grand finale fireworks display around here. And one other thing I was praying for was during this whole COVID-19 outbreak, our community went from very cautious, remember they're up in Michigan, to emergency mobilization made extremely quickly. About three weeks ago, there was a mass testing drive in our area. Almost 2,500 people were tested and only five positive results, zero hospitalizations. Praise God. So many things we're thankful for. And then he ended his email with this. Thank you so much for your prayers. You know, as I'm reading through the book of Acts, I'm thinking about what was going on in Peter's life and his struggle. And the church did what? They mobilized and they prayed. And then I hear stories that go on around us. God is still answering prayers. And he's doing it through the body of the church. We need to keep praying, church. Church. There's a huge thing that we can do when we feel like, I don't know if I can do anything. I don't know how to use a power saw. I don't know if I can go up in mud and clean up mud. I don't know. But can you pray? Yes. And you can do one of the greatest things possible in praying. I was thinking about what happened with Peter. He was in a dark situation, but he was freed, right? That was his independence day. His first Independence Day, your first Independence Day, when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you're free indeed. That's our freedom. Freedom in Christ. But now we have freedom in Christ to live for Christ, to serve Christ. And I want to encourage you, when you think about the freedoms we have in this nation, do not forget about the freedoms you have in Christ. The greatest freedom you have as you are free from sin, is you're free to pray and be God's vessel for change in this world. I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to pray. Worship team, would you come forward? As they're coming forward, I want to just take a moment and say thank you, church, for um, all you've been doing. Um, spreading out, you know, Dave mentioned about singing. Um, I don't want anybody to ever feel uncomfortable whether you want to wear a mask or not wear a mask. You do as you please. Um, I know some people are excited to hug and handshake. Some of you, that still freaks you out a little bit. That's okay. Some people are going to stay home for a while because of health concerns. That's okay. As we dismiss today, you'll be dismissed in sections. I mean, we're doing everything we can, hand sanitizer everywhere, professionally cleaning the church every week. But um, I want to thank you so much for being patient and doing what you're doing. Even making reservations every week. And I know some of you are like, I got to make reservations again, and some of you forget, and then we remind you. Are you going to make reservations? Yeah, I keep forgetting. I get it. I get it. Please understand that that helps us. You make reservations if you're going to a restaurant, right? If you're going to go to a concert, you're going to go to a ball game, you got to buy tickets in advance. You can't just show up and hope you get a seat. You make the reservations. I was thinking about this. How many times have I had groups where we go to a hotel? You better make reservations in advance, or you're not going to have a room. And so for us to make reservations, it's so unusual, but it is something we do. So thank you for making reservations. And actually, we always leave empty seats for visitors. So if you see empty seats, some of those were planned to be for visitors. Sometimes maybe they're just not full. But when you make reservations as a church body, you help us, one, caring for you because we don't want to overpopulate. Two, you allow other people to come in that didn't know they had to make a reservation. So thank you for doing that. There'll be a day, there'll be a day when you won't have to do this anymore. I look forward to that day. But until that day, keep making reservations. You want to hear some good news? You only have to make one reservation for eternity. Isn't that good news? Oh, and by the way, you got to make that reservation in advance. You can't wait till death to get to heaven and say, hey, I would like to make a reservation. And God's like, too late don't make it too late. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never prayed and asked God to forgive you of your sins, today would be a great day to make a reservation with the God of this universe. You only got to do it once. You don't have to keep doing it over and over. I did as a kid. Every camp I went to, every youth group, every time the pastor or a fiery, a fiery minister got up in front of me, you got to pray this prayer. I better do it again. right? Some of you were there. Yeah. One reservation. The most important one you ever make. I share that with you because there's no way we can be the people that God's called us to be without having that relationship with Him. Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are a mighty God, that you are an awesome God. And God, today, we might, there might be somebody in this room right here that just needs to make that reservation with you. There might be somebody in this room or somebody watching online right now that's never prayed and never confessed their sins to you, a holy God. So now's a good time, Lord, for us just to come to you and say, God, I've messed up. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I confess with my mouth and my heart that I'm a sinner. But God, I also confess with my mouth and my heart. And I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he came to save me. I believe that. Forgive me, Lord. I ask for that life eternal that you can give. Help me to live in a way that honors you, Lord. Give me your spirit now. Help me to live for you. God, that's the most important reservation we need to make today. And God, with that new life that we have, for all of us in this room that have made that reservation, we now have freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom from death. Freedom to live victoriously. Freedom to pray as a praying church should pray with power. So God, thank you. Thank you for the freedom we have. We love you, Lord. In the name we pray, amen.